This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Last night about Pentecost, uh, we spoke about a little bit about what Pentecost was. And so I shared a message last night um, just around the fact of what are we going to do with our suddenlies? Because in the Bible, there's many suddenlies. And we have a choice of what we do with our suddenlies, whether we respond in a positive way to it or a negative way. And so you can catch up online for that. In actual fact, if you're watching online, we want to welcome you. Uh, We know we've got a number of people, um, again, with COVID at the moment. And so if you're at home uh, recuperating and in ISO, uh, we just want to say we love you and we are praying that you get better real soon. Um, So very good. And if you're watching from overseas, we welcome you as well because we've got a few overseasians watching as well. That's the official term for someone living overseas, an overseasian. So this morning, I've entitled my message, What You Need. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we think we know what we need? You know, as a kid, I thought I understood and I thought I knew what I need. If only I have this and only if I have that, my life will be complete. There was a day when one of my sons came up to me and said, Dad, you'd have $1,000, wouldn't you? I said to him, why are you asking this question? And he said, Dad, you'd have $1,000, wouldn't you? Why are you asking this question? Dad, you'd have $1,000, wouldn't you? And what had happened was he saw something that he needed and he knew that the father would be providing for him and so he was asking me the question about my bank account balance. It was very sad when I said, well, actually, at the moment, I don't have $1,000, that I can give you to spend on whatever you want to spend. See, sometimes we think we need something, but can I encourage you that God actually knows what you need? He doesn't just think you might need this. One of the things I hate is um, about buying presents for people is we live in a really finicky world. Like Boxing Day, for example, is the day where most exchanges happen in the year at our shops. I just think it's ridiculous that shops are open Boxing Day to start with. But then the second thing that I think is ridiculous about Boxing Day is it's no longer about... Because originally Boxing Day was all about getting the extra food that was left over from from Christmas, boxing it up and giving it away to the poor. Now we box up the gifts we've been given and we take them back to the shops. It's a little bit bizarre, really, when you think about it. But it's like one of the things is it's like, well... I know I could buy this gift for someone, but do they want it and do they need it? And sometimes I buy a gift for someone knowing that they need it. For example, young teenage boys, if I buy you a gift and you unwrap it and it's deodorant, there's a reason for the gift. Just saying. God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, because that's how the the Holy Spirit is presented to us, that he's a gift from the Father, is exactly what we need for all time. I I, want to read you this statement. I love this statement. And as soon as I start reading it, you will understand and you'll recognize this statement if you've been at Living Waters for a little while. It says this, Living Waters Church is empowered to bring God's message leading people into a loving relationship with God, teaching people to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement. That's our purpose statement. 
And so we have this empowered word right at the start of our mission statement. See, God knows exactly what we need. When he sent the Holy Spirit to infill believers, he understood there wasn't just like, well, I hope this gift will be good enough. I hope this gift will be useful. I hope this gift will bring joy. And I hope this gift, you know, like I, I think of all the gifts that could bring joy. Like one, one week I reckon at kids' church, Brianka's not here, but we should give everyone a kitten. All the kids a kitten. Wouldn't that be good? Some parents would be going, woo-hoo. Other people would be going, a what? What am I meant to do with this? See, some gifts bring joy to some people, but the very same gift actually brings displeasure to other people. The Holy Spirit is truly that gift that is meant to bring joy to our life. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, because you can't preach on Pentecost without talking about Acts chapter 2, because it is the Pentecost scripture. Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 5. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in in Jerusalem. There's some things here I notice in the Pentecost outpouring scripture that we're going to look at this morning. And the first one was this, is they were just all together. It's good to be together. If you haven't learned anything from the last two years, please learn this. It's good to be together. It's good to be able to gather together and actually look at each other in the eye rather than talk to each other on a phone or text each other or video chat or all those wonderful technology things that we have in our current world which makes isolation and separation a little bit easier. But can I encourage you, it's good to be together. And there was this point where 120 believers were gathered in an upper room all together. What were they doing? If you were here last night, you would have learned a little bit about what they were doing. One of the things they were doing is they were having a business meeting. They were like, we've got some business to do. And the business meeting was that they elected a new disciple to fulfill the shoes that were left by uh, Judas. And so they had a business meeting. How do I know it was a business meeting? Because they had a discussion, they put forward some candidates, and then they... Uh, and then they cast lots to find out who it would be. And you might say, isn't that gambling? Isn't casting lots gambling? Isn't that like, you know, rolling the dice? Snake eyes. <laughs> it was the way they did things back then. It was one of their cultural practices that they did, was that they elected things by casting lots. And, and so they were in this, but all of a sudden something changed. When they were together, the building started to shake. There was a rumble that started. I don't know how dramatic it was at the start, but I want to tell you, if I'm God, I'm going to start the slow roll because I want the dramatic effect. I'm going to start the slow roll where it's like all of a sudden there's a bit of a shaking. What's that? Peter looks to Mark and goes, what's that? John goes, I don't know, but something's moving. 
and all of a sudden there was a shaking that happened in the building. There was a wind that blew through that building and those 120 believers were never the same again. That's the thing I love about when we experience God in a new way. We have a choice. We can go back to the old if we want to or we can be changed and allow that experience to change us and never to be same, the same again. I want to read you a verse out of Genesis. Don't worry about looking it up. It's only one verse, but I'll give you the reference if you're taking notes. Do we have everyone taking notes in the front row again? Yes, we do. Almost. I want to tell you, last night, Saturday Night Live, we had everyone taking notes in the first four rows. I think that was pretty, oh, that was pretty cool, I thought. Well done, you note takers. It could have been more than that. I don't know. I could only see to the fourth row. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says these words, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is just right for him. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we hear this scripture many times at weddings. When we do a wedding, often this is one of the scriptures that is used where it's like, you know, well, God said it's not good for man to be alone, so I will make for him a suitable helper who is just right for him. See, what we need to understand from this, this is more than just a wedding verse. Now, I understand that this was the time when God created marriage and he joined Adam and Eve together as one, as one in that marriage covenant. But can I encourage you, it goes beyond, it stretches beyond just a marriage relationship. It is not good for us to be alone. I'm okay alone for a little bit. I can fish alone for a little bit. I can motorbike alone for a little bit. In actual fact, I motorbike alone a lot because it's just me on my bike, but there's normally sometimes there's a group of people around me as well. But it's like, but ultimately, long term, it is not good for us to be alone because when we're alone, and I'm not, again, don't just think I'm talking about marriage here today because I'm not. When we're alone, when we isolate ourselves from the community of God, from the fellowship of believers, what actually happens is there's a degression that starts to happen in our life, not a progression. This year, we've been talking a lot about growing and maturing. It takes a mature believer to get past the faults of the person sitting next to you. Because the person sitting next to you, even though they might look angelic, even though they might smile nice, even though you know, they might be a good person, there will be times when they test you to the very core. There will be times when it's like, be times when it's like there's a stretch in our grace and in our mercy because we're human. So it is not good for us to be alone. So all the believers at that time, the 120 or 120 of them, were together in one place. Unity has a fruit that produces a great reward. Let me say that again because it's a fantastic statement. Unity has a fruit that produces a great reward. Psalm 133, Psalm 133, the unity psalm, this is the unity song. In actual fact, when David picked this song when he was song leading, he says, we're going to sing the unity song. And this is what it is. It says, how wonderful, this is in the New Living Translation, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in harmony. 
Now, your Bible might say unity. The New Living Translation says harmony. I actually like the rendition of the New Living Translation where it says harmony because it's not about living in proximity to each other. It's about living in harmony with each other. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured out over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and into the borders of his robes. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. What a wonderful fruit. There's some fruit that is better than other fruit, is there not? Let me tell you the fruit that I don't like. I do not like rock melon. I do not like cantaloupes. I do not, I'm not a fan of watermelon. I'm just not a fan. It's like, you know, as a kid, we'd eat watermelon. I'd stick it in my mouth and it's like, yep, that's water. There's some melon in there somewhere. But that's why, I I don't know, it's just not my favorite fruit. It's not the sort of fruit that I go, uh, uh, uh. Some of my favorite fruits are coffee beans. Let's just be realistic. Bean, coffee, bean. It's a fruit, okay? Some of my other favorite fruits actually come from the bean family. I like broad beans. There's just something about broad beans that are just like, mm, mm, mm. I like peas. It's my British heritage. I like peas. I like just normal beans. I like snow peas. I like those sorts of fruit. And you might say, well, they're vegetables. Okay, let's get technical. I like bananas. I just like bananas. I like apples. I like oranges. I like uh, limes. I don't like grapefruit. There is something sinister about a grapefruit. Honestly, a fruit that you have to add sugar to to be able to eat, there's just something wrong with that perception. So some fruit, and there'll be people in here going, I love grapefruit. In actual fact, my wife is a bit of a grapefruit eater. She doesn't mind the odd grapefruit, but I hate it. It's like, why eat something that's so bitter that you have to add extra sugar to it to make it even a little bit palatable? And even that is up for discussion. And so there's these moments where it's like, you know, some fruit I like, other fruit I don't like. See, the fruit of unity we should all like because the fruit of unity is sweet. The fruit of unity is beautiful because here it is, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. Oh, when you bless us, how sweet is that? And so they're all together. But when they're all together, suddenly there was a disturbance. Suddenly their nice little gathering got disturbed. And the disturbance actually led to a further disturbance. Because if you read the context of what was happening, all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit came, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues with such volume and such passion and such intensity that everyone else who was in the city who had gathered for the weekend of Pentecost, because this isn't when Pentecost started, it was actually a Jewish festival that the Holy Spirit decided to come at that time. And so all of a sudden it was like all the people that had gathered from all over the area and all even different countries had come together. They heard the disturbance that happened because the Holy Spirit had created a disturbance. We'll keep reading Acts chapter 2, verses 5 onwards. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running 
and they, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were all complexed and amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. See, the disturbance that came to their nice little upper room meeting actually created a disturbance in the town. It was so loud. People came running to find out what was happening. Now, is there anyone here involved in the fire brigade? Any fire brigade people here? I've got a question for you. In today's technology, why do we still have a fire siren in our city? It's a problem for me because when it goes off at 2 o'clock in the morning and wakes me up, I don't need to be woken up if there's a fire unless it's in my house. Let's just get that straight. Like, honestly, and so there's this fire sign that goes, Wah! dog in town goes, Wah! everyone wakes up. I think in today's technology when we've got phones and that, can't they just send out a bulk message? Can't they just ring everyone who, who needs to be there? And it annoys me. It really does. It, it annoys me. See, this ruckus woke up those around them and people came running. I'm actually waiting for the next time they come to do our fire audit here and I'm going to ask them, why? Why, why, why? <laughs> I hate it when I just get to sleep and then it goes off because then it's like I have trouble going back to sleep again. But anyway, let's not get too sidetracked this morning. So the impossibility of people speaking languages they hadn't learnt actually brought the wonder of God into that situation. See, the Holy Spirit is a mystery to us all. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you think you understand the Holy Spirit, you need to recheck because the Holy Spirit is a mystery. He, he, he's a mystery to us all. It's actually described this way, well, the wind will blow wherever it wants to blow. So is the Spirit. And, you know, there's times that the Holy Spirit has done stuff, and like even Pentecost, it's like, why fill people with power and fire and boldness, but also give them a language that they haven't learned? why he does that but the fact is he's God and he chose to do that but what we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is poured out into our life for a reason God just doesn't do things for no reason you do things for no reason some days in actual fact we have become so um, orientated in certain ways that we do things and we don't even think about it isn't that true some of you have really bad driving habits just saying. Some of us have driving habits that I don't want to copy and you don't even know you're doing it. I remember teaching my kids and it's like, you know, the lane change. The most horrific point of teaching a child to drive is when you're barreling down a highway at 110 kilometres and they decide they're going to overtake the car in front of them and they do the lane change. I want to tell you, there are many times my prayer life increased in that moment. Because what happens is this, is there's something about humanity where our eyes point forward and wherever our eyes go we go and so do the head check no do the head check then turn I am dad no, do the head check then turn. I used to hold my breath every time every time we have taught all our kids to drive so I am free at last see the Holy Spirit was poured out for a reason poured out. he didn't just do it for no reason at all there was method to what the perceived madness of the day was. 
And the first reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out is so that we could receive power. So we could receive power. So we could go from a powerless existence in life to a powerful existence in life. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 because I can't preach on Pentecost without using Acts chapter 1 verse 8 either. It's mandatory. It's in the preacher's manual. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the promise from Jesus is this, is when the gift of the Father comes upon you, you will receive power. And not only will you receive power, you'll become a witness. Something will change in your life and you'll become a witness to those around you. In actual fact, wherever you go, you should be witnessing, even if it's just your outlook in life. had a strange experience, not last week, the week before, was that the two coffee shops... I go to frequent, both overcharged me coffees. Happened one day, one shop, and the other day, the other shop. And I thought, this is interesting that it would happen this way. And one of them wasn't a small overcharge. One of it was a bit. And the poor girl behind the counter is going, I don't know what to do with this. And it's like, my reaction to it is going to make her day good or bad. My reaction to it is going to say to her whether it's like, you know what, I reckon that bloke might be a pastor. Because People understand who you are, even if you don't understand that they're understanding. I was at a supermarket once and the lady in front of me left her phone on the counter and the girl behind the counter was like, oh, because she was in the, the express one and there was other people. She goes, oh, she left her phone. I said, don't worry about it. I will run the phone out to her. Give me the phone. I'll run it out to her. So I grabbed the phone, ran it out to her, came back and she goes to me. She says this to me. She says, is that also one of the jobs of a pastor? I didn't know her. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know her name. As far as I knew, it was the first time I'd ever known her, but she knew who I was. Imagine if I went, that stupid lady. Imagine that. Imagine if I said, that stupid, now she's going to make me late. Imagine if I got my grumps on. Imagine if that happened. Then she might have said to me, oh, is that the job of a pastor? See, we receive power to become witnesses. Now, last night at Saturday Night Live, we spoke about the fact that we receive power not just to do miracles and not just to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, but we receive power to have our very heart changed. Oh, come on, church. I mean, I love miracles, but I need a heart change more than miracles. Honestly, honestly, I, I need a heart change before I need a miracle. You might say, but I need a miracle, Pastor. That's fine, but I need a heart change as well. And so we had the power to change, the power to be changed, but also the power to infect the environment we walk into. One of the problems we have with living in a natural world is we forget about the spiritual atmosphere and the spiritual environment that we live in as well. See, I believe this. Every time I walk into a room, I have the authority over the spiritual atmosphere of that room. Every time I have lived in a city. I went to that city understanding that government authorities might think that they have the ultimate authority over that city, but we as Christian believers have the ultimate authority. Why? Because it's been given to us. And so therefore we need to understand when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the ability and the power to to affect the very environment of where we live. Your workplace should be a better place because you work there because you're a spirit-filled believer. 
You know, your school should be a better place because spirit-filled believers live at that school. Not live, might feel like you live there, but go to the school. See, we have the power to change the very spiritual atmosphere. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. For when we brought you the good, the good news, it was not only with words but with power, for, for the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we'd said was true. And you know of what our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. See, here Paul is talking to the church of Thessalonica and what he says this is when we came to you, we didn't just speak words but we changed atmospheres. We spoke with power. That's why our mission statement says this, Living Waters Church is empowered. You are empowered as believers. And if you forget everything else I say today, understand that the gift we need is the power of the Holy Spirit and that is in our life. So Peter's description to a confused crowd who was seeing something that they couldn't fathom, something that they couldn't understand because of their spiritual insight, gives us a great glimpse into what was happening, gives us a great glimpse into why the Holy Spirit was being poured out and the effect that it would have on the believers from that moment on. So let's jump back to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to spend the rest of our time in Acts chapter 2 in these verses this morning. These people are not, this is Peter talking to the crowd who were like, what's happening? Because what happened was there was people started to mock them and say, oh, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. They're just, you know, had too much wine. But the problem is it was only nine in the morning. People are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is, too, is much too early for that. Now, what you see was predicted a long time by the prophet Joel. I love this. So Joel the prophet, years before, predicted this moment. He prophesied this moment. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your, young, your, your old men will dream dreams. For those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn to blood red before that great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit opens us up to great possibilities. This gift is a gift that when you start to understand, and we'll never fully understand the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it opens our lives up to great possibility. Actually says there that you will prophesy. I love prophecy. I love prophecy. Now you might say, but what's prophecy? Because there's lots of confusion about what prophecy is in the New Testament because we think the prophecy is like the Old Testament prophets where they come in and doom and gloom and that sort of stuff. No, prophecy is simply speaking the heart of the Father into a situation, speaking the heart of the Father into a setting, speaking the heart. It's meant for encouragement. It's meant for building up. It's meant to build up the church. It's meant to build up each other. It's meant to build up those around us. And so it actually says there, I'll just go back to it for a minute, it says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Any sons and daughters here today? 
If you're a son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, guess what? Prophecy is there for you to speak. You can speak the Father's heart into a situation. I often have times, you know, particularly with my kids, they'd come to me, Dad, what do you think about this? Okay, Holy Spirit, I need to speak the Father's heart into this situation. Now, I don't stand up and go to him, thus saith the Lord, but I speak the Father's heart. I speak the Father's heart in prophecy. You know, um, last year in our family, we had a little bit of turmoil, a little bit of upsetting in some areas, and it was like there was moments where I I was before God, so I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I need your heart. And God said to me, say nothing. So I prophesied it. I just went and was present in that moment because there was nothing I could say that was going to make it any better. There was nothing that was going to say that was going to mend a broken heart. There was nothing. There was no physical words, but he just said, just be. Don't speak. Isn't that a song from the 80s or 90s? Don't speak. Told me not to say a word. And so I didn't. I just said, hey, I'm just going to come and I'm just going to be. We'll just hang out. We'll just have coffee. We'll just talk about football. We'll just talk about whatever. We'll, we'll just talk about those things. See, prophecy is bringing the heart of God into a situation. Talks about visions. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be the old one and seeing dreams. I want to be the young one seeing visions. You know what? Honestly, I don't really care. I don't care if I'm seeing visions. I don't care if I'm seeing dreams. I don't care if I've moved from young person visions to old person dreams. I think the only difference is old people sleep more. Maybe. No. Maybe the nana nap. Grandpa nap is when the dreams come rather than a vision. Honestly, I don't care whether I'm visioning or whether I'm dreaming. You know what I'm caring about? Whether I'm hearing, whether I'm receiving. I don't care what season of life I'm in as long as he's with me. See, there's visions. What's a vision? It's seeing what God sees. It's seeing how God sees a situation. What a valuable gift we have. What a sweet fruit we have from the gift of the Holy Spirit when we understand that we can actually see circumstance the way God sees it. We can actually believe with our dreams. We can believe what God is wanting for a situation. It says both men and women. I love the fact that Jesus was the great leveler when it comes to things like ethnic backgrounds, to gender, to all those sorts of things. He's the great leveler. He actually says there's both men and women. So whether you're male, whether you're female, guess what? You're included in this. Both young and old, doesn't matter what your age is. Young people, don't wait until you're old and crusty before you start moving in the Holy Spirit. Get in there now. It says even in this day, servants will receive shock horror because you've got to remember the context of when this is written it's written in the days where servants weren't even allowed shoes that's how you could tell whether someone was a servant or not because they weren't even regarded enough as to whether they would have shoes or not they got the yucky jobs like washing people's feet they got the horrible jobs in life but you know what holy spirit says i don't care your position in life I don't care your status in life. I don't care whether you're a king or whether you're a servant. Guess what? Holy Spirit outpouring is available for us all. And then the last thing that I want to look at today, if the musos could come back, I'd appreciate that, is that it says this, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The other thing I love about 
salvation is it's open to all. Salvation is open to all. And sometimes what we do, and because we've been talking about growing and sowing, sometimes what we think we do and what, the way it happens is, no, we have to be mature before the Holy Spirit can use us. No, you just have to believe. You just have to call on his name. In actual fact, maturity has nothing to do with the availability of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us. Absolutely nothing to do with it. It's all about asking and being available. And as I said last night, one of the things I love about God is that he's in the fixing business. He doesn't say you've got to be a certain way before you come. What he actually says is come and we'll just sort out all the stuff along the journey. We'll sort out those attitudes. We'll sort out that stuff just as we spend time in his presence. So let's all stand up this morning. We're going to sing that last, what's the last song? So we're going to sing this song, Holy Spirit. And as we do this, if you're wanting prayer this morning, why don't you come out the front and someone will come and join with you and we'll pray for you this morning. Um, Next week, actually, I need to mention that. Next week on Saturday and Sunday, we have Pastor Daniel Bates with us. Um, So make sure you come for those meetings. Um, Daniel is an evangelist. He moves in the area of healing and in the area of faith as well. And so, you know, make sure you come along and, and, um, you know, bring a friend. Anyone got friends? Bring a friend. Just step out there and go, hey, why don't you come? Next Friday, I'll come pick you up. I'll be there. So that's next week, both Saturday and Sunday. So why don't we sing this? And if you want prayer this morning, come out the front and we'll stand with you and pray with you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.